Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And we are back for another week of the podcast. Different circumstances this week. Uh, obviously, as I put up before on Facebook for the Fast Five questions, we need to record part of it today because we've got uh, some work clashes and things going on Boxhead, which just unfortunately happens sometimes. It does. We're not full-time podcastians. Yep. We don't get paid to do this, unfortunately. So what the deal is, we are Monday afternoon prior to kick off of the Dogs-Raiders game. We've obviously put up... A fast five, so any questions we get now before that game and all the seven matches that have happened so far in this round, we will do fast five questions in those games. And then after that game, we will quickly talk about the Raiders-Bulldogs result and any more questions that come in afterwards. And then tomorrow, you're obviously Gonskis for work reasons. I've got some uh, time restraints on my own tomorrow because of work, so it'll probably be just me and Gossip tomorrow. It will be you and Gossip tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. we're still making the effort. Uh, I've seen a few others out there, and they skip work, so they just do the dodgy because they can't pull it together. We won't do that to you. We're here, well, what's as changing? always, and we're delivering. What's changing? Nothing. Nothing. We're putting the extra effort yeah, in. It's a day still early, getting that's it done. So that's all you need to know. But uh, fast five, we're going to do ours up until this point. If anything changes, obviously, after tonight's game. Well, we're going to talk about the game afterwards, so yeah. forget it. We'll it's talk fast about five it for the first seven games. It's uh, fast five, best, worst, high, low. Any questions, Brock? What was your best? Uh, my best was yesterday's games, Super Sunday. Both of them came down to, well, obviously, the uh, the Warriors-Roosters game went to Golden Point. Uh, it was a really good game, ebbed and flowed. Uh, and the second game, obviously, was one final play of the game. So I thought they were both pretty exciting games. Daytime footy, I love it. Yeah, well, I thought yesterday I was, I was a pretty big fan, in particular the first game. I thought they threw the football around. Roosters, another loss. Hard start of the year, but I uh, really enjoyed the football, especially coming out start of the second half again. They didn't have a feeling out process. They got straight into it and let the football move around. So, yeah, um, yeah that game and uh, probably best as far as players. I, I thought Boyd, Darius Boyd on Friday, as we've talked about, he's been building nicely, but I thought he had a really, really good game. And Sheck, I thought that was one of his best games again for the Warriors. And you see what happens when he actually gets a bit of a roll on and they you know, play a little bit of foot, football and give him some space. Set a couple up. Scored the match winner and did his yardage work as usual. Mm. Well, mine was uh, my player was Madalena. He was very good too. Very, very Play good. Play 80 minutes? Uh, I can't really remember. I think he might have. But he was, he's was. he been playing a lot even when he's been coming off the bench. He's basically been coming on starting for the rest of the game. So yeah. big effort from him. What about your worst? Uh, worst, the Dragons attack. It's, it stinks. I'm going to keep saying it until they fix it. We highlighted it early, early doors. I think when they got hammered by uh, Cronulla in round two, we highlighted it. Um, look, I don't know what, how they're going to fix it. Well, I've got a pretty good idea on how I'd fix it, but Paul McGregor, uh, they just seem to be gritting their teeth and uh, not denying it, but they're 
they don't really seem to be coming up with much uh, of an answer and yeah they're just struggling and my worst player was Daniel Mortimer because he was he cost us a game <laughs> put in a shit kick with about seven minutes to go and then we got the ball back and he knocked it on dummy half he did set two up before that though yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. If you're a Titans fan right here, you feel the hate. No, I don't, I don't hate him, but I just... It was bad. Bad football. Yeah. Well, my worst... That's why you're on the bench, Daniel. My worst was the Dragons, much like you, and exact same reasons. I think they're just... They're cookie cutter. They're forward pack. Everyone does basically the exact same job. Um, there's a lot of Barry Basics football. And then the, the halves, obviously, you need your forwards to go forward. You need quick play the balls, but basically you spoke about the attack. Benji Marshall is just dead set on a hiding to nothing. That one where he drifted across field after it looked like they were going to the right and then he ran himself out over the sideline. And Gareth Woodock looks an absolute shadow of the bloke the first move there two years ago. Tell me how they can't they can't have... They've got such a bad attack, but yet they've got Mitch Rain, who gets talked about in origin circles. You've got Gareth Widdop, who's an international. You've got Benji Marshall, who's an international. You've got Josh Dugan, who's an international. Mm. Why can't they score points? I have no idea. Because of their structure. That's why. And the structure doesn't fit the players they've got. No, most definitely not. But I, I'm really surprised, again, a couple of years ago when Widop first got there, he got more control of the setup. I don't know what the GO is right now, but whatever they're doing, it's definitely not working. They do address something. Um, and he needs to be getting a lot more quality football. Their forward pack definitely needs to start pushing in numbers because they're not really a big side. There's, there's a few little things that just stand out, and I'm with you. And the whole thing that we said at the start of you buy Mitch Rain, but for, uh, not Mitch Rain, sorry, you buy Kurt Mann, but for what? You didn't change anything. No. They go, we need a guy who has that sleight of hand. Well, your attack's exactly the same. It's not helping. No. So you're better off just leaving Dugan like they have. But something's got to give there. Their, their halves play in particular. Obviously, their forwards stuck in the grind for 50 minutes, as they do. But if you can't post points, what are you going to do? Yeah. Cowboys just hung there for 50 minutes hung in that game, and then it just cracked. They just blew them away yeah. in that last part. But, yeah, the first half from they were even hanging on, you just you don't know where their points are coming from. They don't look likely to get near the trial and or score at any point. My other one was the Storm. I know they were flat off a five-day turnaround, but I just get the feeling like something's missing. Um, they, they haven't really been that joyful to watch either, any of the games so far. So four, yeah, they're still... Four, four, yeah, four, four of mine not going to complain, but they just feel they're, they're not entertaining to watch, and it, does, it hasn't been pretty at all so far. Mm. I haven't really enjoyed any of their games. Early doors. But uh, what was your highlight? Uh, the Cowboys. Watching the Cowboys absolutely smoke the Dragons. I thought they were uh, the best-performed team of the round, especially bouncing back from the disappointment of last week. Um, yeah, they were my highlight. They responded in the absolute uh, best fashion that you could possibly hope they would, as compared, I'm not saying, taking anything away from the Titans, but the Broncos go, uh, put a pretty flat performance in again, whereas the Cowboys, you could see they came a bit of spite from that one and made sure they did a number. And at home, I think they're 96 points scored and 14, 14 against yeah, after like a couple of games. So, well, ridiculous. two wins to nil at home. Three wins. Three wins to nil. They've won... No, to zero. Yeah. They won the first game against the Sharks up there. Pretty yeah, sure. they got to nil. To oh, zero. yeah, two yeah. wins to two, nil. Two they to got nil. the Roosters 40 zip and they got the Dragons by 36 to zip. Yeah. Now, my high was that game, like I said yesterday, that Warriors-Roosters game. I just thought it was a good game of football. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the Warriors haven't been that great so far, but they showed some signs yesterday. And the Roosters, yeah, they're struggling, but in general, just the feel of that game. It wasn't error-riddled or one-out or boring. They legitimately threw the kitchen Daytime sink. Daytime footy, it was good. Yeah, it was messy at times, but in particular, the Warriors, they came out and just threw caution to the wind, yeah. which is more what I'd like to see. Then pushing in numbers, thought Lasono, Vete, Madalena, like you're saying, just playing direct. Isaac Luke had one of his better games as well. He got some room out of dummy half, but they all got brought to the fore when they just played some football and, you know... 
head down, charge in the line, get some quick play the balls and play off the back of that. Mm. But yeah, I really enjoyed that game. What about your low light? Uh, the obstruction cock-ups on Saturday. I yeah. thought Paul Gallen had a legitimate case when he uh, when they disallowed um, the Sharks try. for He pushed on the inside and made contact, I think it was with Chris Lawrence. Um, and they've disallowed that try. And then they go down the other end. Yeah. Well, it might have been Chris Lawrence that got in his way, sorry. Um, st- clearly stopped in the line. Uh, it affected Gallen, not to the point where I, I thought he should have given up on the play like he did, but the it affected issue. him enough that... Uh, to disallow it, and we were—I sort of praised the referees last weekend because I thought, well, it's black at least they've got the it. black and white right. And, this but, and then week, this week they go the opposite. So exactly, and this is what I was getting at last week. If they're going to stick to it, fine, because there's a few looked at, and you go, "That's a try." He was never going to get there. You know, he's given up the play. Or yeah, but that's irrelevant. I, yeah. I don't like that either, and but, I've, I've never liked that. But part, it's part one of the... or it's the other. They can't just change their mind a week later. The bunker yeah. was brought in to make sure we get all our decisions right. It's made things a little bit faster. But the last couple of weeks, you're starting to see these cock-ups come back in. So, yeah. Uh, there's either one rule or there's, uh, you know, your own interpretation of it. That's not how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to be black and white. Yeah. And in the same game, within the space of 10, 15 minutes, it wasn't. No. So, um, yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan of that at all. Luckily, it didn't cost them the game. They got the result. But, yeah, that, mine was exactly the same. That was my low light. But uh, what about your question? Look, I got asked a question today by someone I work with. When are the Roosters going to sack Trent Robinson? I wouldn't. And I said, "Are you? What have you had on the weekend, champ? So they a few lose Magic Bickies or a few too many sherbets. Look, they've lost five games in a row. Yeah, but you've he's lost... a Roosters fan, this bloke. But yeah. the drums are starting to beat. He's won three uh, yeah. three minor premierships. But the Roosters fans and the Roosters hierarchy. Do you, do you think it had even crossed Nick Pilatus's mind? I, I think you'd be I insane think to sack Trent Robinson. Because look at the situation you're dealing with right now. You lost your whole spine, basically your left side. Your halfback put himself in harm's way again by being a peanut. Yeah. He's got no control over Jared Warrior Hargraves, who's probably the heart and soul of that forward pack and would lift all those blokes. Um, Cordner. With his ACL and then Cordner peck. So you're talking probably your best edge. You're talking half your team from last year. Right now, you're talking three key figures that would have really helped after the losses in particular of Maloney and Sheck and obviously that left-hand side they flicked Jennings as... There's a few plug-ins at the moment, and it's just and their halves in particular. Yeah. You've got two young blokes running around now. Um, you've got a new fullback who's an absolute baby. All their key positions, bar friend, who, again, is without Jabari Hargrave, she leads that forward pack and gets him getting out of dummy half. The whole spine's rebuilt right now. Mm. So until they at least get Pierce and Rhea Hargrave's back, I don't, there's no way. And like you said, you're not looking at a guy that's been 50-50 or made final series. He's got three minor premierships, premiership in his first year. Yeah, I said to him, mate, you, you've got to be kidding. If he hasn't built up enough credibility to go through this year and probably again next year. But I'd be interested to know what Roosters fans are thinking. I don't know whether that's the general consensus out there, but it no. surprised me today. I know he's lost five in a row, but there's three of those games they were definitely in and could have won. Well, I, with the exception of South and the Cowboys, obviously they got blown off the park in both those. I'll games. put the shoe on the other foot that say Cooper Cronk did something and was out, and like Billy's gone right now or had to retire, and we had well, no sack Bellamy. We didn't get anyone, and you know, say Bromwich was out with an ACL. Yeah, I'm not going to be calling for Bellamy, no but way. I'm going to be looking at my team just going like crossed. We're going to struggle for a bit here. That's that's just as simple as it is. You can't be beating the drums because you've lost five games after you've literally had half your side shaken up and taken away. Mm. When you get those guys back, you've got a decent coach, things will turn around, the attitude will get better, there'll just be a whole lot more control. But right now, it's you're looking at the spine and you're looking at a few key blokes in the forward pack that definitely need to come back and help you. Yeah. So I wouldn't be getting too carried away. My question, is something missing? 
at the Storm. And I know a few people have gone about the whole fullback thing and Billy's not there and the, the talk and the communication, but I... Tell you what's missing, I Cooper Cronk's brain, Cooper Cronk's heart, Cooper Cronk's... There's, there's more to that to me right now. Even Smith, I think, this year has been solid without being outstanding, but I feel there's just... Obviously, we're leaning in the backs for a couple of years now, but the more and more I look at it, there's just something else that's not uh, just missing. And I, I, we're the ones that run this kind of cookie-cutter shape, still run the block blocks and all this. Even this year, I know we're still jagging wins, but these other teams are starting to open up a bit more, play off this fatigue thing. We yeah, but at still... the moment, <clears throat> this might be a tactic, just to grind through the early part of the season. You don't know. But at the moment, they're winning. Uh, I yeah. don't know. They can't play the same... Uh, than what they're, what they're doing at the moment and challenge at the end of the year. No argument. No. They've got to change their no style way. a little bit. Uh, but I expect Cooper Cronk, his form to return. Even He scored a double on the weekend, but he still wasn't great. Uh, I, think, I think Smith's been pretty good from what I've seen. Obviously, the loss of Slade is massive because the impact he had on that, just on the one game he was in, uh, they looked a totally different side with him, him in there. Um, obviously, now with him gone, Munster goes in, but I don't think Munster is as good. I think Munster um, is is obviously an elite player uh, and a very good first grader. But what they've lost with Billy Slater um, has hurt, has hurt, and they're, they're gonna, it's going to take them some time to adjust to that. I think. Mm. All right. Well, and a lot of people will say that last year they had time to adjust, but they would have done a whole off season with him there, um, and then now obviously they've lost him early again. So there is a readjustment period which needs to happen. Yeah. Well, that's our questions, looking at some of yours. Obviously, prior, like we said, to the game tonight, Lachlan Bickley, does Greg Inglis still like playing rugby league? Because it sure doesn't look like it. Yeah, I think his form's been down. His yeah. body language isn't great, but I don't think his body language has ever been great. Uh, I thought he was better on Friday, uh, on Thursday. I thought defensively he was pretty good. Yeah, but, but they the, week before, the week before he was horrendous. Yeah. I can't put too much blame on him this week Friday. because they'd shut down for 60 minutes and we're just tackling. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're making errors. But then the again, I, just, I can't remember the last time he's really made a big break or done something big in a game. No, I'm with you. Apart mate. from, obviously, round one, he, yeah, he scored that try. But then you, you look, at the roosters, look at the Roosters' form. Yeah. So. And like you said, that's, that's the old Dave Taylor effect, the one in five games or one in six games. He gives you that moment, you know, like Gordy said, he, he tricks you. you. He tricks you. You get one thing and you hold on to it, you know? You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, Chris Mortimer, are Para good enough for the top four? No. Yeah, well, I didn't have him in my eight. I think they're good enough, definitely, to get find themselves in the eight. But again, with a couple I've, of yeah, I had him in my eight, but bottom of the eight. With a couple of injuries, again, I don't think they've got a great amount of depth at the moment. And just looking at them starting to build over the year again with a new pair of halves. Mick Gordon at the back doesn't offer a whole lot of the ball playing, solid on the returns. But there's a few little bits and pieces there they'll nut out over the year. I think they're a top eight side mm. if they you know stay consistent. But yeah. You can't be dropping games like that on the weekend. I thought they had that almost sealed yesterday. Yeah. And in the last 10 minutes, you've got to be worried if you're sitting in the coach's box and they're making line breaks from dummy half scoots. Uh, I was sitting there the last five because I had a 1-12 to bet and this going, it's gone. Dale made a break from dummy half. Mansell made a break from dummy half. They just... Yeah, I had power 1-12. They were rudderless. And again, the halves, I, I, why I thought they I were... Warriors 1-12 to too. Mm. Why, why I thought the halves were pretty good, um, you know, still didn't quite click. There's a little bit to work on. Defensively, I thought they were pretty good again, especially early on. They made a lot of errors yeah. and held in. But, yeah, I, I don't know about top... Definitely not top four. I think top eight is definitely a possibility, though. James Douglas, what is the go with poor coaching at the top level? Didn't think Taylor could make a worse choice than putting Lovett in centre last year instead of Chris Lawrence. But two weeks in a row, running with three hookers, we reduced interchanges, doing my head in. 
Also, why persist with Robson at halfback over Johnson when Lola here is such a gun and can play 5-8? Uh, well, the Tigers in the three hookers, we said it last week, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And it makes no sense. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Uh, in terms of the Warriors, look, I think Robson... The reason Robson's there is to kick and tackle and just be that grinding half. I tend to agree. If it was me, I'd have Lola here at, at six. Um, but I can saw, I can see the reasons why McFadden's doing it. Um, whether it's working or not is a different question. Obviously, they've won two in a row, so he's going to get some more time there. But I can definitely see the upside of having Lola here there because he's looked brilliant in his time on the wing. And you can see whenever Sheck can see him with a little bit of space, he throws him the ball and he makes something happen. So... Uh, but I, I think it might just be the, that old adage that you you put your pick your best thirteen and then you find positions for him. So yeah, well, I, I still wouldn't have him in to be honest. I thought he's been better, but even his Robson? first, yeah, I wouldn't have him in. I would have had Lola here. I'd prefer Johnson be playing a lot more first receiver. But at the end of the day, I think the two wins again. Have come oh, I, I agree. I'm just saying I can sort of say, I can see his reason. Yeah, I can see why he's done it as well because he is solid defensively. He might be worried about Lola here, but mm-hmm. Lola here played a full year of first grade last year and proved at six, at centre, at fullback, anywhere that he was more than capable to play in first grade. Yeah. They want a bit of control maybe to go with the fact that they like to get a bit loose. I that's what I mean. That. I think that's what I think. But that's at the same time, I think you're at the point, again, like I was with the Sharks, where I was like, you're not going to win a comp with Robson. And I look at the Warriors and I think the same thing. I'd rather put Marmolo, one of the gun kids they've got on the wing, and have Lola here in the side as well and have another bloke helping out in yardage. So that's that's probably more the way I'm looking at things, but... Um, he was very good yesterday off the wing to have the impact he did. He won in the game. Yeah. Simple as that. He won in the game, and I think he's been good everywhere that he's played in first grade, no matter what position. Justin White, will Semi get the nod to play in the Anzac Test and any surprise selections for the team? Uh, I think he will. I don't think he should. I, I don't. I think we're. This is part of the reason why International Rugby League is struggling. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to go into it, open a can of worms. I think he will get picked. Um, yeah, uh, surprise selections, look. For, for, I don't think there will be any surprise selections, but uh, I think Bryce Cartwright. If you're going to throw, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't pick Bryce Cartwright. No, but I think uh, if you're going to throw a few ruffies, in the though. drums are beating. I, I think the media is pushing pretty hard. There's some influential figures pushing pretty hard to get him into the side. Um, no, I don't think there will be any real surprise selections. For the for the Aussie team, no, there wasn't wasn't really anyone in my head that stood out. The only other one I had again, and why would they change it? Would maybe yeah. be Tedesco, but you got Mal coaching it, and you've got a lot of Queenslanders in the back line, so I think it'll be. I'd know, like to see uh, Anthony Milford selected. Boyd. I'd really like to see Milford selected. As a bench utility, yeah, I'd play him as a bench utility. But then again, whether he's I know he's banned obviously from playing Origin, so whether. Queensland will kick up a stink if he gets picked for Australia, but in the end, they're separate entities. But I'd love to see Milford picked off the bench. Before he got hurt, and we're talking about this again, and this is why I don't agree with Sammy doing what he did, I would have had Corey Oates maybe even thrown up for that wing spot because Alex Johnston had it last year, and I didn't. Well, Corey Oates played on the weekend. Yeah, well, I didn't agree with uh, Johnston getting a spot last year on the wing or picking Dugan on the wing. I didn't like the fact we picked Dugan on the wing, but Oates is probably going to be a back row in the future, but he's formed the first few rounds before he got hurt. Uh, and just the way he was playing, that's another spot I look at. Like, we get Sammy, but for what? Are we going to pick him? Does he ruin his chances to play for Fiji? You know, potentially. What I, what I don't understand is how he can play for Australia, but not for a state. Exactly. That's where, again, I mean, we're, we're I get it, but I, I get it, but I just don't understand how we allow it. Well, I don't like it because you're discouraging young Australian players as well, though. That mm. should be a spot that somebody like Oates or, you know, they get to perform for or get yeah. an opportunity to grab or, like you're talking about a cart ride. 
yeah. if we picked another forward like a Tamiya that we did a couple of years ago who qualified technically even under the new structure because yeah. he played his junior football in Sydney. But he's a Kiwi. Yeah. He was born in Palmerston North, that front row spot. If you're an Aussie kid, you you know, you're probably hurting. That's that's a spot you're aiming for. Yeah. So yeah, I don't really think there are many surprises. Um, James Hughes, when should the bunker intervene and overrule the referee's on field decision for a knock on uh, onside, line dropouts, etc. Well, you basically haven't seen that at all. And then all of a sudden yesterday, they overturned that scrum um, in the Power Penrith game. And a few people did pop up saying, hold on a minute, they haven't done that yet. Why now? I agree. So, again, we said this last week. I think it's got to be for just about everything or nothing. They've got to be tracking the game and letting the refs know. I don't like this whole... I don't know. And then same with some of the video refs. It's, like it's, it's still in its infancy and it's still in teething... Are going to have teething problems for a while, so yeah. until they work it all out. Well, they, I'll tell you that one thing... Should they intervene? I think they should if it's clearly the wrong call. I know that people like Luke Patton played the game, but is he as up to you know scratch with every single rule and law as the referees would be? I don't think he would be. No, probably not. So that's little things like that that I think the last couple of weeks you've seen, because two former players, I think, have been the ones given the final decision over officials, match officials are looking... Yeah. I'm almost sitting there going, well, if they've been doing this for God knows how many years and now the rules back to front, aren't we probably better off having a match official? Um, being that third bloke who gets the final decision over a player. Yeah. Who probably doesn't have the broader scale. In general, I get it. Like Players generally do see things that maybe they won't agree with, but they, I think the match official's got a broader scope on what is happening in a game, or the rule book. But, well, you'd um, think so. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah, that jumping on the weekend. Um, mate, I was, I was surprised as you, James. That's the that's one of the first times you've kind of seen it. And the other question, uh, it's not on here, but a lot of people have been asking, is it just you know them or are they hearing stuff? Are the refs stopping the scrum clock? Yes, they are. I've heard yeah, that more than a few games. So. What do you mean stopping it? They've been stopping it. Like, stop the scrum clock when it's about to get fed or whatever. I don't know why. I don't know if it's if they don't blow a penalty or yeah, replay. Well, yeah, because if the, if the ball goes in and then isn't fed properly, they then have to reset it, which would mean that the scrum clock will go off. So the scrum clock isn't for the feeding of the scrum, it's for the scrum to be set. Mm. Because yeah. it could take 30 seconds for the scrum to be fed. Well, so I, it's been happening all year. I don't understand why people were confused over that. But, yeah, I, um, it's the same as the uh, the dropout. They've been, they have to say clock on, clock off. Yeah. Well, there you go. Brock's up to scratch. A lot better than what we are, obviously. Uh, Hugh Laws, question in two parts. Do new rules now need to be created or clarified for obstruction with the video bunker? So, obviously, he's going off what we saw on the weekend as far as the Sharks are concerned. I think to go black and white, mate, it's what we said before. It's got to be one rule, and it's got to be black and white. We saw that the first few weeks, and then on the well, weekend... The rule, the rule in the interpretation now they had, it was fine. Yeah, but... The like problem said, is now that they've they've gone to, on a different angle. They, and com- they took an interpretation on the weekend. Like I said, it's got to be one or the other. You've got to look at it subjectively, which you can't. Hugh's, like, Hugh's right, but he's not, in the fact that just because I get... If I get bumped in the line and I'm a player, I'm thinking in my head, well, if I go over and still make this tackle but tackle him around the legs and he falls over and scores, they're probably not going to look at it. But if, if I don't, if I don't make the effort and I make make it be known that I've been contacted, they're more likely to send it to the video referee. Well, Paul Gallen acting... still was contacted even though he didn't really make the effort to get across. No, but... and I think, but what would have happened if Paul Gallen was contacted, still got across, made the tackle, but it wasn't effective and Tedesco scores? They'd probably just blow it on the spot. No, I reckon he blows up, they still set it up there and they overturn it. No. But I think, I don't know. Again... I, I can, I, the players are doing it because it's... they're trying to overact. They're trying to... 
Well, he didn't overact in that situation. I thought but... Gallon. Gallon did. He stopped, put his hands in the air, and it's black. And, away. It's got to be black and white though. They've denied that one before, and then they gave that one. They were the same thing. And then the week before, there was a trial where it was like three. Yeah, but what he's saying is, the example, Green. players need to continue to make an effort for the ball rather than pulling up or holding their arms up. They're doing that because they want the referees to notice it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That's all well and good, but as far as it just needs to be black and white. And do I agree with what Shane Flanagan said? Well, Shane Flanagan's got an agenda. I look, I think the calls were wrong. I don't think the bunkers are as bad as what everyone's making out. We were everyone was rapping at the first two weeks, um, but obviously the last two weeks obviously haven't been as great. There are cracks, but look, we just got to work through them and make sure that the um, interpretations are correct and they're consistent. Yeah, well, Dave Crellin, which players outside of the current New South Wales squad do you see sneaking in this year's side? Frizzell, Cartwright, any others? I don't know. Me and you just said this off air. I don't understand what the big yeah, I don't... deal is with Frizzell. He made, what did you say, he made 18 metres on the weekend? I think from what I was having a look before and I, I watched that game, I don't remember him having all that major an impact. I thought he was pretty good the first week or two, but compared to, say... I think he was much better last year. ...away Graham or a couple of these other blokes that are in contention, I don't think he's been as good. I thought mm-hmm. he was a lot better last year, which is why he got the 18th man spot. Yeah. But I definitely don't think he's set the world on fire um, come time to start this year. But the Cartwright thing, again, I look at that, and I know everyone's beating the drums. Yeah, he scored twice on the weekend, but I'm looking, and you, you watch a club game like I do or anyone out there. Yeah, he made 18 metres. Surely you guys look and see what I see with Cartwright, where there's a game there where he'll make three or four errors and give away a try or possession and put you under pressure, but, yeah, then he comes up with an absolute diamonds play. In that arena at Origin, playing against that Queensland side, I don't think I could risk putting someone like Cartwright out there and just saying, no, do what you want. Cartwright's got too many errors in him at the moment. But He's then again, loose. that's his style of play... But would you throw somebody in in an arena like that where possession and getting through your sets and being, you know, absolutely critical probably with every would. opportunity? To be fair, I probably would. To roll the dice? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't I just know if, if I could at this point in time. But then again, I don't know who that... Like, if they said that they're going to pick um, uh, Blake Austin as that player on the bench, I'd probably be more comfortable with that. Him coming on as a sort of a lock, back rower, running. Um, he's not going to try and push the envelope as much as what Cartwright is, but... Then again, you saw what Cartwright can do yesterday. Like In one game, you see the best and worst of him. Uh, but I guess that's something you've just got to accept if you're going to pick him. So uh, I, I do think we've got to find someone with a point of difference, whether it's Cartwright, whether it's Austin. We, we need that sort of an impact player, I think, on the bench. Well, a lot of people have reacted or obviously brought this topic up because they've seen on the weekend Andrew Johns um, coming out and picking his side. The halves were the one thing we talked about last week when everyone brought up. You can't pick them right now because, number one, Pierce hasn't been playing. No, I don't even want to talk about No, nah, but a few of them have been ordinary. And then the two that we, everyone's kind of looking at are maybe the Canberra pit. But they're both injured and they come back tonight. So I don't know anyone's drawing a line right now or throwing names around because we're still five or six weeks away and there's a lot that's still got to happen. Yeah. If Austin or Caesar gets hurt against a lot, you can't. I don't know you can make judgments. Even Cartwright right now. I know he's been good. First couple of rounds, but if he hits a flat spot... Yeah, just suck it and see. Yeah. See, Queens, this is the problem with losing so often. We just panic and want to pick everything early. Well, Trebojevic is the other one. Everyone's banging the drum already, going chuck him on a wing. Tom, blah, blah. Nah, wouldn't do it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look at it. And uh, again, I'm not going to really look at it until the week where the side gets picked. Yeah, but I want to see, like you said, all the club football, who's healthy, all that kind of stuff. At the moment, I'd almost, I almost would pick him on form. Based on what I've seen from everyone else, I haven't really seen a standout winger for New South Wales. But then again, there's still a long time between now and when the side is picked. So let's worry about it then. Yep. All right. Well, moving on to some other ones we've got here. 
Uh, Gav on Twitter, at Ernie Oz. Lewis, Wyong, the number nine. Mitch Williams, thoughts on his first grade prospects. And Brock, thoughts on Gus's article about players not being coached to think. Well, Mitch Williams, anyone who's watched the well, we cup. We both like Mitch Williams. Mitch Williams is a great player. He's been in that system now the last couple of years, why the, the Roosters have been associated. He's been given some off-seasons. Uh, I think the biggest issue, mate, is he's older. From and he's his, behind Jake Friend. Yeah, he's behind Jake Friend, but from memory, he's a Newcastle junior from up that way. I think he's been in some systems, but I think he's 27, 28. Um, he's obviously been at Wyong for a while now. Great player, but I think maybe things might have passed him by just age-wise. I don't know if he's going to relocate or a club will pick him up. He was the New South Wales residence captain for a couple of years there. So if anyone was going to jag him or pick him up, you think they would have by now. Yeah. I think our second year, because it's our fourth year now, I made a call that someone should pick him up, and it didn't happen. So um, whether it's his size, that's a factor. I've watched him win games like he did in the weekend. I thought he was brilliant. But I think he's more getting to that kind of age now where if it was going to happen, um, you know, it probably would happen already. So. Yeah. Well, could the could he play first grade, though? I, I think, I I think, think he so. could. I think but, so. yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, look, the... The Gus article, no-brainer. Players aren't coached to think because at the moment, or well, previously, I think this year the game's uh, a lot better in this regard, is that the players were just coached structure, block, mm. block. Run um, your lines, bend this spot. Yeah, it's very boring. But now I think uh, the way that players will be coached will have to be more fatigue, more game-like simulation, which will, which will mean that they're going to have to think. Coaches are going to have to mm. not be doing so much stop-start in their training. No, and you're going to for have the, to... For the, on a very, very simple um, level here so everyone can understand it. Basically, previously, it would be stop, start, stop, start, coach, 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 you know, the whole yeah, time. Now, this line, get with, the this way, yeah, with the way that the game has been played now, the, adapta- the physical adaptations that need to happen at training can only happen through letting the players play mm. and letting games roll on and letting fatigue set in and watching how the players go under fatigue and that's where this thinking aspect comes in. So but this but at a junior level they're not because there's too many coaches at a junior level that just wanna be NRL coaches and wanna feed kids structure and wanna coach things out of players. So look if you're a junior coach out there, just let your players play. Yeah. Give them I, give them some organisation. I think this is gonna have a knock on effect all the way down that level though if we're gonna go with reduced interchange and bringing back the football player and the bloke that has a bit of skill and can play in front of like we saw Cartwright do yesterday. He's a football player. Mm. He's not your cookie cutter. You're an athlete. You're a, he's a big guy and he's all those things. But he's got a bit of vision. He's got an offload. He's got skills. Um, he brings all those things. Or a Wade Graham, a guy that played 5'8", the juniors, plays on an edge, can put a kick in, can sum up a pass. These kind of guys, if the game's going to go the way it is, which is a positive, and they're going to play more up-tempo, what you see in front of you, it's going to bring guys like your peaches uh, and guys in the past that are you know just good football players. You're going to have to have some kids that have a bit of vision. Yeah. You can't just be this cookie-cutter athlete where you go pick the six-foot-four kid, go stand here, this is the shape, this is your spot, you run this line, you run this decoy, and it's just really, really easy for him to pick bodies instead of footballers. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's a big thing that's going to have an effect as the interchanges shrink, and it's going to have a knock-on effect all the way back down the 20s, 18s, all levels of football. So, uh, Last one we've got for the time being until after this game tonight, Sam Taylor, how can the Dragons fix their attack? They need to change. Just need a complete change. Play more direct. I think they play need to faster. Play more direct. They need to link more often the halves too. They're trying to play split at the moment. Like the other night when he tried to feed Benji that side, and then he just drifted all the way back to the right. Yeah. And, and I think has got that tendency as well. Yeah, they both just tend to go away from what's doing. But I think that because they're not a big pack as well, they've got to push in numbers, get quick play levels, 
try to work some offloads, get in the middle flow and get Dugan involved in particular. And then on those long sides, like because Dugan isn't such a great ball player, I think they've got to put themselves, like you said the other week, on that 20 tram more often and link up, set up for each other to be able to you know be involved in a play. But probably the biggest thing is just generating ruck speed so you've got some positive yardage or you can get over the advantage line and play direct. Because at the moment, they're not playing direct at all. Yeah. And half of the result of that is the fact that they've got a defensive line that they're running into that's completely set, and that's why Benji ran himself stupidly 50 metres across field and ran out. Yeah. So there's a lot that needs to change there. But um, That wraps us up for now as far as the Fast Five and any questions. We'll review the seven games that have happened so far. So kicking off Thursday night, South versus Manly, 16-12. This one's pretty easy to sum up. The first 20, 25 uh, minutes, it was just all South. Yeah. They were one out. Off the ruck, what they're talking about. Quick play the balls, the Burgesses. McInnes got two soft dummy half tries, and you thought this is going to be a long night, a very long night for Manly. Five-day turnarounds, a couple of injuries. But after that, it was literally just 60 minutes of Manly attacking South Lyme, playing all over them, moving the football, some great dummy half work. They really threw the kitchen sink, and they couldn't get the job done, but I thought they were valiant considering the circumstances. Yeah, they the were. I thought Appy Coruscant was a clear standout. He was oh. sensational. Varve, um, how good's Varve been, too, off the bench? Yeah, he's, he's been, been at solid. a few clubs, but he's... Oh, yeah, uh, it, it was a really uh, entertaining game to watch, but a very hard game to follow or understand. Uh, oh, I mean, you couldn't believe that the They flip. went in, yeah, I, I didn't understand it. I thought that... I thought Manly did very well not to be behind by more at the start because South just had a glut of possession. Uh, but then after that, I thought Trebojevic was very good. Um, to fill all those guys coming out so, of yardage. So. Yeah, very, very difficult game to understand. I, it's one of the weirdest games I've, I've watched in a long time in, in that I just couldn't work it out. But And even at the end, I, I couldn't really tell who was going to win. Mm. I, look, Manly's attack struggled. I thought Dylan Walker did a pretty good job. I My concern was, was that... That Appy Coruscant wouldn't be able to push the side around, but Walker again, he, he showed his strength is to run. Both so. of them show that that's their strength, that's for sure. But I think one thing everyone's knocked on it, and you could see it in the game, neither of them have got a good kicking game in general yeah. play. Coruscant's played nine. Well, they're, whole and they're life. not great organisers. They sort of weren't getting them no. everywhere that they wanted to be or needed to be. But they, as you said, they were valiant. I thought South were pretty ordinary, to be honest. Apart from that. That is first thirty minute period they just and died. They that just that completely that died. was showed by the fact that Mike McGuire tore their heads off at half time. Apparently it was world famous, that spray. Uh, I've, I've heard a few lines, whether they're true or not, um, but yeah, apparently that was an absolute ripper of a spray. Mm. Uh, Sam Burgess thought it was pretty gallant coming back, even though he was supposedly still in pain too, but yeah, they literally just sat on their... I can't remember how many tackles inside 20, but it just felt like after that first 20-minute period where they were 16 zip up and it could have been anything, mm. you just watched them defend their line for the rest of the night. Basically. Um, but yeah, I thought a few blokes for me. And they Maybe both, you thought they needed some practice after the Good Friday game. Well, crossed. They, they definitely got some and they, they held on. But yeah, Tafua, Trebojevic, um, Vave, like I said, has been really good off the bench after getting a bit of a wake-up call and both the halves were absolutely outstanding, but... They're lucky to get away with it, and they play the Roosters this week. They did a number on them in round one. You get the feeling that's not going to be the case. No, I don't think so. I think this may be the Roosters' first win, and it's going to be hard for me to tip them. But after the 5-0 five, five and oh and just the feeling of how South's have been, I think the Roosters will be up for this one. And then on the flip side, Manly, um, you know, it was a hard night at the office. They fought their way through, but they've got to go to New Zealand this week. Mm. And the Warriors are coming off two wins, and it's at home, so... It's yep. going to be another tough trip for them. It's been a hard start for the season, no doubt, with them as far as the schedule is concerned. But Friday night, your mob, the Titans, lost to the Broncos 24-16. But, my God, they were tough again. They were tough. Yeah, tough, but stupid um, in some aspects. Uh, I, I thought Brisbane were okay. They were patchy. They did enough to win. I thought with about 10 to go, I thought the Titans were a massive chance until Mortimer 
obviously put that kick in, then made the error. Uh, but I never really felt like we we're going to we we're going to win that game. Do you get the and feeling? And it didn't start well. Like no. straight away, James Roberts scores, and you think, well. But do you get the feeling that I got? And it was. It's no disrespect to your side, but I honestly felt any time Brisbane wanted to run that long side play, literally they were just going to score. Yeah. Every every time they set up for that inside your twenty, they scored easily. Basically, yeah. and you just you kind of felt the same thing we said the first few weeks. I'm not going to panic. Same as I wasn't going to panic about the Sharks attack like some people are. They're barely throwing the jab at the moment. They're literally just going through we the motions know. and getting all. You don't know. Based on last year, then yeah, they they don't look like they're doing a lot, but. I don't know. I don't know what to make of Brisbane. They were great against the Cowboys, and they lifted up a, a gear there. But to me, they're a bit like Melbourne. Not on that level as far as how low Melbourne are playing, but they've blown a couple of leads, but they're still won four games. They're four and one, and I still yeah, really feel that they've tried to throw the kitchen sink out there. But It's just a bit, bit of a concern to me, The way, just different aspects. That That is the main one, the fact that they just can't close out games. I don't know whether that's a fatigue thing uh, or it's just a mentally they're... Switching off once they get to a lead. Well, you've got Josh like McGuire put a, put a game away soon. Who I think's been playing very well considering he had the Achilles tear. But a couple of blokes come off the Kiwi tour. There's a few blokes not healthy as well. They've had a few in and ins and outs with Oates, Reed, a couple of positional changes early in the year. Ben Hunt literally had no preseason games. He hasn't played at all. No. So I feel that they're just going to slowly build their way in, and I'm not. Well, I feel the same way about Melbourne. To be but honest, I was really like I said again impressed by your in particular. Ashley Taylor, I was worried more about the physical side of things, him coming into first grade. I didn't think he'd honestly look like he was ready. Um, he's still very raw. No, he's very raw, but, but, he, and he, in, but he's only going to get better. In particular, the control he showed already, I think he suits the first grade style. A lot of blokes come out of 20s and you're not too sure, but I think he's got the composure. The short kicking game in particular was outstanding. I thought his kicking game all round was pretty good. Mate, some of the bombs he put up for Darius Boyd were some absolute crackers. He was ripping out some decent torpies that were dipping. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, your back row, again, I thought Chris McQueen wasn't a big fan of him at South. So I think he's been tough. Uh, Taylor grabbed another double. He's scored four or five tries already. There's a couple of real good things. And da- the one I've got to wrap through, David Mead, seriously, if I'm going to score a try, I'm scared for my life. I thought Pulu was Yeah, Pulu, Levar, uh, Levar, he, Levar, uh, he's been great. He smashed Corey Parker a few times. Like, I've never seen Corey Parker smash before. But have you seen the last few weeks, if you're going into score, you better get there. David Mead has just been using himself as a human javelin. Good. And trying to wreck people. I think he's been great at fullback, yeah. to be honest. So. Look, I, I thought their effort was great. They were in the game, so mm. that's all you can ask for. Gallant by them. But, yeah, Boyd, Parker, like you said, I thought Maguire's been... Hasn't missed a beat since he's come back from that injury. He's just a machine, and McCulloch doesn't get the raps he deserves, but I thought he was great at a dummy half. Yeah, so. they all play their part. Good win for them, and they play the Dragons, so have an outstanding record up there, and I tell you what, they're going to need something to go their way because they've been horrible. Um, well... Well, yeah. I can't see the Dragons winning. Neither can I, but like I said, weirder things will happen when you get these kind of hoodoos or these records. For some unknown reason, no matter how bad they've been in the past years, when they go up to Suncourt, they seem to play well. So mm-hmm. they're going to need that this week. You want the Titans, they're away to the Sharkies at the prison, so that's going to be another tough game for them early on. But Saturday, Melbourne, we spoke of 18-14 over Newcastle. What this game stunk. It did stink. But it was terrible. I'm going to give a wrap to Newcastle again just for... Well, they fought in guts and made a contest. Been tough. No real... Absolute standouts, but they threw the kitchen sink at Melbourne. But Melbourne, uh, like I said, I, I don't know what it is. There's something missing. I think, you know, Cronk's been off. Obviously, Smith, I don't think, has been the greatest. They're, they've trained the whole preseason with Munster out in the centres, not at fullbacks. So they're learning, uh, you know, and coming together. But I think the biggest thing you see is key moments when you've got experienced players and young blokes. When it really mattered in the second half and they needed to be disciplined and hold the football, they made errors. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I think Chambers forced that dropout. Melbourne score off the back of it. They got a penalty goal not too long after that off drop footy and that uh, you know that half and they they found a way to win. Yeah, but basically it was off the back of Jesse Bromwich just being an absolute freak. Some of the offloads and carries he had, and Chambers kick and yeah they they basically gave us the penalties and errors that allowed us to get the to get the W. Yeah, but I thought they were going again. Like, there's no one I could really highlight from Newcastle, but as a collective they really went after Melbourne and they won three of the last four. Yeah. Against Melbourne, they relish the chance, regardless of what circumstance, whether on the ladder, they always throw the kitchen sink at Melbourne. And, um, yeah, I, I didn't get to hear the, the press conference of Craig Bellamy. I don't know quite what he said. I know Cameron Smith brought up the five-day turnaround thing, like uh, a few people have. Wasn't too happy about the circumstance. And, no, Newcastle in the same boat. Oh, he so. said that about Newcastle. Even them having to come from New Zealand to play and it's really thinking that the quality of the football is affected, obviously, by that as well, because they basically get one day to do a captain's run. That's about it. Yeah, so for the whole I don't know league. about that. I, I just think it limits their training. Mm. But, I yeah. don't think it limits the quality of football, but it, I don't know. I wouldn't know. Well, a lot of them seem to be banging the drum about it. So yeah. It's obviously something they're pushing hard for to have it obliged over the next couple of years for the next CBA. But Melbourne, tough game next week. The Bulldogs, another side that generally seems to always turn up and give it to Melbourne. That's at home down there at Amy Park. And then the Newcastle Knights, they play the Tigers at Newcastle. So... I think last year when they were going ordinary and the Early Tigers... battle for the spoon. Well, the Tigers were on a good run last year and I think they went there and Newcastle upset them when everyone thought the Tigers were on a good thing. So, mm. um, you know, they could get their first points. So, oh, well, they got the draw, but their first win, that should be a tough one at Newcastle, always is. Cronulla, speaking of them, against the Tigers, 34-26. This was a pretty good game of football and the Sharks, like I said, people worried about their attack. I think we saw another glimpse here of what's going to happen in yeah, the third of the attack. UK's. They can attack, yeah. Their halves are finding some... Uh, combinations. Uh, they've got a good forward pack, good edge back rowers, good full back, um, good hooker. They've got the right pieces there to, to challenge at the end. And they've got that starch. They're tough, they're hard, they, they knock you around. Mind you, I thought the Tigers, they could have won that game. It's a game they probably threw away. Could've. Their defence was just terrible. Basically, there were some soft tries in the second yeah. half, but you got to say, like we said before, you always look at the Sharks the last couple of years and you almost put them in just purely off the fact they were going to make it dirty. Yeah, I bring their forward pack, <clears throat> forward pack into it. Sorry, uh, just niggle and drag in a dogfight, and they'd get wins that way. Now you put Barber in in decent form. You got Holmes on the wing who they can bring in. Good pair of halves, nine, um, like players like Bird, etc. They've basically got both sides now. Once they discover that they can score points and they can grind when they need to, that's the reason I had them in my top four. Basically, because yeah. I think without injuries over the year, they have the ability to play both styles of football, which you need to. We look at the only side I could really compare them to at the moment is Parramatta. Uh, I think they're a very, very similar side, but the Sharks got more points in them. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And that's why I think the Sharks are a top four side. Neil's probably won't be. They'll be in the bottom of the eight. 
Tedesco showed his quality again, went off early with a bit of a head knock there, and as soon as he came back on the field, his first two touches were setting up a try and scoring one. Yeah. Um, his effect on a game is just ridiculous. The blokes are freak. Yep. Aaron Woods was He's got to be in the origin side. He's the only, only player at the moment that I would pencil into the origin side. Well, I'd say it again. I know for the Australian team, he's got, probably going to put GI there and they could put Boyd on the wing. But if our centre situation, if we're not happy with it... Picking it on form, Tedesco I would one. not have any problem with James Tedesco wearing the one for no. Australia. That's oh. one like Cartwright they look at. Don't think it will happen. But if that popped up on the on If we're picking it on form, then it should happen. I would not have a problem at all with James Tedesco being there, but... Um, yeah, he came back on, made a difference. The Tigers eat, uh, lead, though, like we said, got eaten up. The Sharks, tough and skilled. They came out and found those points, and they got a consolation try late through Moses to make it 34-26. But um, good signs there again, like we said. And for Fida, I know he's got some sillies in his game, but I think he's been pretty good. He was pretty good the other night again, racking up the metres and getting through plenty of work. So um, the big thing coming out of that we've already talked about was the, the two obstructions. Yeah. We, we don't want to go on it too much. No, both the wrong call. We've already talked Simple. about it, but it's got to be black and white. Simple as that. Yeah. One size fits all. They can't be making interpretations on the run. But Cronulla, they play the Titans, the Tigers. They play Newcastle next week. And the last game on Saturday, we don't need to go into too much about this one that we spoke about. 36-0, uh, the Cowboys over the Dragons. They were just clinical. Yeah, and the, all the raps on the Dragons is always about their defence. Yeah, well, well, the defence has leaked like a sieve a few times this year, so... Uh, but if you can't attack, it's the same deal we said last year. You can't threaten in the competition. No, if... I know that, but still. And I, it, I it did it again. It got them so far against a quarter. An elite defence doesn't doesn't give up that many points. No, but up to 50 minutes, they'd only conceded off a kick and a bit but of a scrap. But I think their mentality's affected through mm. the fact that they can't score points. Yeah, it's got to hurt you because yeah. all you're I, doing is busting your I don't know what more we can say about it. I mean, the Cowboys are great. They're a top-four side, clearly. Defending premiers, they were clinical, but... The Dragons just can't attack. And if you can't attack, then you're not putting any scoreboard or pressure or doing anything to your opposition. No. And I think the only thing I want to take out of this, like we said the last few weeks, the scary part for me is the Cowboys, yes, they're 1-17, but there's pieces in that side that are excelling now or coming up to another level, which makes things easier on Jonathan Thurston going forward. Yeah. I thought Coot was brewing again. A couple of tries, and a 40-20. Well, they've got, they got threats everywhere. Their pack. Or there's, just, there's blokes that are coming to the fore. And Ethan Light, again, was absolutely outstanding. Ridiculous amount of tackles. Good meters just working hard there. There's more guys going to another level when they could easily take... I know it's early in the year, but they could taper off or be comfortable with the grand final ring. All these blokes seem to want to be pushing further get a grand final, get into the rep arena. So that's only good signs if you're a Cowboys fan. Yeah. If all these guys lift and take pressure off your Scots, your Tarmiaws, your Thurstons, and these guys who are going to have to play rep football. Yeah, I agree. But I'd be happy to say, I haven't looked at their draw, but if it's anything like last year where they play a couple of middle sides, I reckon they could win most of their games to origin without without an issue Yeah. with the side they've got. Um, and that's, that's a big call because it's both their front rowers, potentially, and both their halves again. But they did it last year. They won like four out of six, I think, during that period. So mm. um, they're in a very good position. Well, it doesn't matter who's out for origin. They're still going to have to find some points. Yeah, 100%. They play the Panthers down here. That might be a game to go to, I think, next Saturday. The Cowboys. The Cowboys. They're coming I'm, to I'm Penrith. i wedding, unfortunately. Next Saturday. Otherwise, I would have been going down to watch that. I might go have a look at that one, to be honest. I don't go to many Panthers games, but if the Cowboys are in town, that's probably a worthwhile watch. And the Dragons, like we said, doesn't get any easier. They go play the Broncos at Suncorp. Got a good record there, but my God, they're going to need something to go their way because uh, they've been absolutely terrible to start the year. But on to Sunday, the Warriors, they got over the Roosters in Golden Point. Two of us are shit, comes back to haunt them, but it was Lola here who obviously made that break and set up that try. But I just really enjoyed it because I thought, like I said, it was back and forth. It was open, daytime footy. 
a bunch of lead changes. They were even a couple of times. It was just a really decent game of football, I thought. Oh, it was great, yeah, free-flowing. Uh, it ebbed and flowed. I didn't really know who was going to win, obviously, right up until the end. I thought the um, Warriors cocked up a few yeah. chances. They got that big lead. Of, of regu- well, just regular time, they had a few chances to win the game. Terrible setup for a field goal. Like Isaac Luke took a scoot when they were setting up for a field goal, which led to Vede having to pass the ball, and it just cocked it up for Johnson. But uh, in the end, they got there. Uh, they fumbled and bumbled their way, but... I guess the result is all they are after, and unfortunately for the Roosters, again another big, big effort. But yeah, that nothing that, to show for that it. That Napa moment killed him when he tried to stretch out off the kickoff. There, he was a lot further away from the dead ball on what he thought. But that knock on, they scored straight yeah. after, got a penalty goal late, and got into extra time. And Lola here's run, and then two of us are looming up and sticking the big left hand into Kenny Dow's face. That must have hurt the Roosters. Yeah, they would have thought they were there, but. Um, yeah, it was. I just love games that go, but like you said, you had no idea who was going to win, really. It was no. so back and forth. Uh, a bit of controversy with the, the, everyone saying, again, that the penalty try is basically dead after Hoffman was held off the ball. Yeah, well, the, game, the penalty but... try is dead in the fact that they're not allowed to rule on that you would have definitely grounded it. Yeah. So I don't know how they're ever going to give a penalty try. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that, that was a bit of a hazy one there. But, yeah, the Warriors... I would have been happy with a penalty try to be awarded. Oh, so would have won. Again... A... Well, the issue that I had with that was that why wasn't Aiden Guerra Sinbind? Yeah, well, that's it. Both those things. Why is he not? No, well, if they're not going to give it a penalty try, why is he in the bin? Mm, it's professional. It's professional fair in the act of scoring. Yeah, I'm with you 100 there. But Lola here was brilliant. Sheck was good again. Madalena, like you said, he was outstanding uh, on the Roosters side of things. I think Tokyaho has been close to their best almost yeah. every week. He was really, really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just a bit of lack of confidence there right now. They're hurt. Kenny Dow was good again. Oh, he's been outstanding as well. But. They need a couple, those couple of senior blokes to come back in, especially in the halves. They need Mitchell Pearce back do. Yeah. big time. But they play South this week and the Warriors back home to play Manly. So they might start to kick on a little bit here. Well, let's hope so. Start to build in some nice bit of form. But um, the last game we've got here before the one tonight, obviously the Panthers and the Eels yesterday, the Battle of the West. I, I didn't think this was too bad a game of football, but early on, Parramatta just kept dropping the ball inside their 20. They were going to defend their line, but I didn't think Penrith threw much at them, to be honest. No, they didn't. Uh, Jamie Soud in particular yesterday, I've said it before and I've been critical of the fact that he doesn't like contact, but you really don't have to be accountable for a bloke that grabs the football and literally just looks to his left or his right and just tips it on. Mm. Yeah, he did not dig into the line basically at all. Yeah, he kicked that ball at the end there that they scored off, but I didn't think he was a threat. I'll tell you the one I would give a rap to. Peter Wallace has been absolutely outstanding since he's been playing okay. dummy half. He's been great. He was brilliant again yesterday, but my God, he's tough. Yep. Yeah, they just... I don't, I don't, I'm still trying to work out how they won. They just... This is the problem with the Eels' attack, that it keeps sides around long enough that they can roll you. Um, mm. And that's that's probably the issue. I thought the Eels were the better side. Um, but Penrith, they show, they show glimpses, don't they, of, of some good, exciting footy, and then they go back into this grinding sort of style. So I think they're still finding their way in terms of their identity and um, how they're going to attack and, and even, obviously adjusting to the rules and the interchanges and things like that. Even just the forwards, though. At one point there, I thought McKendry and these guys were rolling, and he's, he's been really good this year as well. He seems like he's copped a bit of a rocket. He's been outstanding. He has been, yeah. When him and Lattimore got on, they were bang, bang, punching up the middle, quick play pause, playing direct. But before that for a little bit, I felt that Cartwright was drifting, then Peachy was drifting, and it was all too sideways, and Saad wasn't helping with the fact, like I said, that he's not willing to dig in the line and play direct. And, yeah. Martin wasn't getting any quality football because of the, the ruck was slow. So, um, you know, and look, people gave more than up yesterday. I thought he played tough, but overall, it was with you. But on the, on the Parramatta side of things, I, I didn't think they were that great either because no, you look at their two tries, they got one 
off a play where did he play at the ball? Most likely, but it went backwards, so it was play on. And the other one was off a lucky bounce off a kick. Yeah. So I thought they were both pretty scrappy yesterday, but the last five or ten minutes, they were out on their feet for some reason, and they just shut down. Mm. Uh, when when you got wingers, like I know Mansour's strong, so is Dallin, but when you're just giving up line breaks from dummy half scoots, you're in trouble. Yeah, there's one that got away, definitely, for Parramatta. And, yeah, as soon as they reverse it. And Penrith have had a few. Yeah, well, they've been in yeah, every they, game they've it played. It just equals out. They've, they've so. been in every game they've played, but... Yeah, that scrum reversal, they scored straight away and then on full time they obviously put that kick in after Gutherson ran up, touched the football, gave him six again and um, yeah, it killed him. Yeah, it did. So tough for Parramatta, but Penrith's been in every game, so deservedly in the grind there and uh, found themselves getting some points and like we said, gets tougher again this weekend. they got the Cowboys at home and for Parramatta, they play the Canberra Raiders. Mm-hmm. So, Penrith, Penrith, the last time they were at home, they beat Brisbane, so they're a chance. Mm, definitely a chance. But for now, that's uh, the first seven games, the fast five, and any questions we have, we're going to go now as we're getting close to the Monday night clash between the Raiders and the Bulldogs. We'll watch that game. We'll come back and we'll answer any more questions you guys have got in the fast five and review the And it's a couple of hours later. We're back on, Brock. We've watched the Raiders down the Bulldogs 22-8. to eight. Wasn't quite expecting that, especially seeing, as we said, they were at Belmore last week. You would have thought they'd be up on cloud nine, and they were very flat, to be honest. Yeah, they were terrible. Um, uh, attack they... was disgraceful. Yeah. Similar to the Dragons, very predictable. Lack of direction, very sideways. Uh, Canberra were good for a few patches in that game, I thought, but for 60 minutes, it was a pretty dour game. Well, once the rain got involved and Canberra posted some points, they did typically, what we've said before, they banked points and then they just seemed to completely go away from what's working. Yeah, basically. <clears throat> but um, uh, Josh Hodgson, early on, very influential again around the dummy half area. Aiden Caesar, he's worth his weight in gold. I know, like you said, they didn't play for the full 80, but just the touches, and in particular, again, you're a left footer, and I've said this to you before, and you've said it, and I'm, I've said it about golfers, I've seen there's something about lefties, whether it would be kicking the ball, uh, swinging a golf club that just seems so natural in the technique. Um, the way he kicked tonight I thought was very, very good, in particular in the first half. Yeah, he put them in good positions and in night football I think kicking is underrated uh, or tactical kicking and being able to pull the ball up and put in good positions and that's basically what they did. They teed up on Canterbury for a 20 minute period there after they banked some points and Canterbury had no answer. Yeah, it really worked over that left side too, though. He seemed to have a focus on Josh Reynolds, and I think Chase Stanley was the man outside him. So I don't know if it was something they saw in video with them backtracking or just that they thought they could isolate him, but they were really heavy on working with Parley and Short in particular on that spot. So, mm. um, yeah, first half very good. Second half quite down. I'm sure anyone that watched it just like we did then. Stop, start, heaps of penalties, lots of errors. It was fairly wet there. You could see that. But, but going back to that, I don't, I don't even think it's as much as video. It's just that he's your best kicker. He is. He's Get the ball in the hands of your best kicker, and particularly away from home. Yeah. Play percentages, put the ball in good positions, and turn the opposition around, which is what they did. Yeah. And Blake wasn't as involved, but I've said it before to a few people that were like, he's back three weeks after a medial is not. That's ridiculous. That's very early. Yeah. Um, he did look pretty ginger, but he got through the game. Caesar got through the game. Uh, what can you say? Uh, it's the first twenty. Simple as that. Raiders have got a lot to improve on. They've done exactly what we said. Last year, or those early games, they tend to have won the ones you didn't think they would, and they've lost two games that you thought they would have won. So, yeah. um, patchy form by them, but seven points, I think that puts them outright third. That's generally the way the competition goes, but so. Mm. Uh, well, uh, the Dogs, they've got a hell of a lot to work on. Their halves were terrible. They struggled with going forward. James Graham even got kind of shut down tonight. I don't know if it was just the weather or his team, but they were, they were awful. So uh, next week, they play Melbourne away in Melbourne. 
should be a good game. They usually fire up for that, as anyone does usually, to go down and play the Storm. So you'd be expecting some improvement there. Canberra, they're away to the Parramatta Eels. So that's pretty much a battle of two differences there. You've got a side that's a fantastic defensive side and a team in Canberra that loves to throw the football around. Mm. All right, so that wraps up the reviews of the game from the weekend. Like we said, we'll come back and answer any questions that you've put up since um, this afternoon. So there's a couple more now on Twitter. Chuck Johnson... Probably was the right call, but how many times have other teams missed out on a feed? So this is what we spoke about earlier, changing the scrum. Yeah, no, I, get, I, yeah. Well, I said it before, I, I like uh, that we get the call wrong. Uh, sorry, get the call right when it's uh, obviously wrong. But then again, he's right in the fact that you don't. When we're not going to ever going to be able to get them all. But yeah. So do you cop the good with the bad, or you just try and get as many as you can right? I, yeah. I'm more of the thought that you just try and get as many as you can right. Yeah, I'm with you, Daniel Taylor. Uh, about the game we just watched. Got to do something about players lying down, demanding penalties. Thought Parrot was going on strike. Yeah, he did. He basically said to the referees, he hit me in the face or yeah. whatever. But Trying to milk you need it. to leave it out of uh, the hands of... Well, leave it in the hands of the referees. Don't yeah. try and referee the game yourself. And it cost them because they made an error and Canberra, I think, scored the next set because I think Cassiano tipped the ball sideways and uh, Morris dropped it on the back of that because Canberra basically been able to get their line set while Parrot laid down. You wouldn't want to be the person taking the next carry. and nah, they got teed up. wasted the time. They were literally a metre out and it killed their whole set. They yeah. really struggled in that wet weather. Canberra, good line speed or not. Brendan Loftus with Thurston and Cronk now to be the starting Queensland halves. Whom would you select on the bench from Morgan and Milford? Can't recall if Milford was one of the ones that was banned. Well, it's simple. He is banned. So, and you're going to stick with Morgan. They played him last year. I think physically as well, he's better for that arena. He's heavier than what you think. Yeah. He did a job last year and he's got a combination with Jonathan Thurston. So... Yeah. Uh, on all those levels, you'd stick with him. But Milford is banned from Origin from uh, 2016. Joe Strasburg, not footy-related this week, fellas, but Brocky, I jumped on Winks, got another hot tip for this weekend. Uh, I think Winks, he's going to run in the Queen Elizabeth. So well, what if he runs in the Queen Elizabeth, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, well, what, you, what odds do you need if it's going to win? There you go, Jay. Just look to see if Winks is running again this week. Look, I haven't looked at the other fields, but if you hit me up on Twitter later in the week, I'll give you some tips. Yep. Send, Friday, us, send Friday us a night. personal message later on in the week. Friday night. I'll flick you through some tips, son. Rock will be all over I'll it. get some good ones. There you go. Ian Stanmore, how many debut players can we put in the New South Wales team this year? Tedesco, Cartwright, Adam Reynolds, Austin, Tarek Sims, Vaughan, all have to go in for mine. I wouldn't argue with any of them. Yeah, well, I think Tar- Tarek Sims hasn't played at all yet this season, so I yeah. wouldn't go that far. But if he played good football, there's plenty of guys that the have been 18th man. The rest of them I couldn't argue with. Eh? There's plenty of guys there. Mate, I'm of the opinion, even though we know it's not go- not going to happen, which is why we're <laughs> angry with Laurie Daly a lot, there's a lot of guys that have already uh, got jerseys and going to get another crack, despite the fact we lost by 50. So yeah. I'm not going to get my hopes up and really get too excited because <laughs> I kind of already know what we're going to be getting. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, hard to swallow, but hopefully we can turn it around. Kylie Pascoe, when will the refs give the Knights a fair crack? They got some dodgy ones on Saturday, but I don't think it was a reason they lost the game. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think uh, they did get a few rough calls, but at the moment, they're just a very young side, very inexperienced. It's going to be a hard year. So that's yeah. from the start. They're in a rebuilding phase. Learning. So going to be a real tough time. Nigel Huntley, where the hell are Souths at? Uh, will they fizzle out again like last year? I think they'll only scrape into the eight, if at all. Well, I didn't have them in my yeah, eight. I, agree. I had them eighth, I think. And I basically put it down to when we start our season, I look at a team one to seven, and then you've got to look at depth, rep effect. Reps doesn't really bother them, bar Inglis, but you look at a lot of their key positions. I thought they're already light in the back row. They've got a couple of injuries now, and you've already seen it. Uh, the back line, 
the half situation. They've got Cody Walker there, sure, but there's a lot of positions there that as soon as they lose a player, there's not a great backup standard like they did a few years ago. When yeah. they wanted comp, that's what happens. I think I left out, or I put in South and the Roosters, um, and you're dealing with the current information. Current information, I'd have probably South just getting in. I'd have the Roosters out and the Raiders in. So, well, the one I had if the, I could change any. a few weeks ago when we said it, I said the dogs because I think they might get enough ugly wins. But even watching them tonight, that's why I left them out. That's why they, over the course that, of the year and a couple that's why of we both yeah, left them out. A couple of rep players and the attack hasn't changed again. So, no, um, you know, if if they miss out, they'll be very close. But I honestly think if the Roosters get back those three players, they can turn things around. But yeah, Ben five is not ideal, that's for sure. Yeah, but I feel that they're not going to be Origin affected this year because I wouldn't pick Pierce, and I don't I doubt Corden is going to be healthy at the right time. So. Well, basically, already they've got to go twelve and seven in their remaining games. Basically, they're feeling the pressure immediately. Uh, Andrew Wales question: Austin and Caesar, New South Wales halves. Yep. I love Caesar at the moment. Yes, Austin, definitely. if he gets better over the next few weeks and shows some health, good times. Also, if the Australian cricket ball want to prepare properly. For a T20 World Cup, do you think next time we get the Windies for a home T20 series, not a test match? They really need to start taking T20s a lot more seriously because the crowds are. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm not a big cricket fan, to be honest. I so. agree. T20 is a little bit hit and miss for me. I don't think there's as much tactical nah. now and things are going to. I think it's a little bit of potluck, hit and giggle. But, yeah, the Windies, they did good. And Marlon Samuels and Shane Warne fight is back on. Love yeah. it. <laughs> that's, grab... that, that's, the, uh, that's the only thing I took out of the World T20 You're going to grab some more shirts, mate? You're going to grab some more people? Yeah, Marlon. <laughs> Loving it. Outstanding. Uh, Graham Wright, question. What is the reason for poor attendances? Cost, scheduling, also the stadium policy, AFL model, numerous Sydney clubs sharing at one big stadium or clubs to stay where they are. Uh, I've said this before. It's just those. TV. And it's all those other things all and those. traffic and cost and time. We're just so much busier these days, but... We're footy nuts. I watch L eight games every weekend. Let me tell you, Super Saturday or going to watch, if I went for the Panthers, going to watch one game, I will take three games at home on the couch. Plus cup, no, plus under 20s. I'll tell you that, I'll, the, only, uh, the only spanner in the works there is I don't mind doing Super Saturday if my team is the last, like if I'm going to go watch the last game. So if I can watch the two previous games at home and then I can get, jump in my car, which we can here, we're only five minutes from Penrith Stadium, and get to the Penrith game, I can do that. But if Penrith are, say, the first game or the middle game, yeah. I won't go. I won't go. Because I can watch all three. Not being a Penrith fan, again, I won't go to a game that doesn't involve Melbourne unless I'm happy with the team. So, say, next weekend, the Cowboys, 7.30, I'm happy to go watch the Cowboys while they're in town because they're yeah. a good side. If Melbourne come to town, same deal. But otherwise, I'm not going to a Penrith game. I'll yeah. watch all three Super Saturday plus Cup 20s. You've got the comfort of your own lounge, bathroom, you can buy a case. Don't have people yelling at you. <laughs> Correct. I can just yell at the TV myself and be a drone going, not make anyone else angry. So, now uh, Graham's got a second question. How can Sammy play for Australia when he's from Fiji? Well, that's they're the rules we're playing under, aren't we? I don't know. Technically, I, I, I don't understand how he cannot play Origin, but he's eligible for Australia. I would have thought that Origin is the logistical, or just makes sense that you have to play Origin before you play uh, an international. But I think it's a residency rule, isn't it? Yeah, well, like I said about the Tarmow situation, Tarmow played junior football here before age 13, which made him eligible for New South Wales and Australia by residency. Semi Rara played his first football in Australia after playing sevens for Fiji yeah. uh, in the under-20s as a 19-year-old. Mm. So technically, he didn't play junior football here uh, before that age group, so he hasn't been developed here, but residency is only a couple of years. Yeah. So that's why he qualifies for Australia, like Curtis Runner. 
He can play for the Kiwis or Australia, but he can't play Origin because he's not from New South Wales. Uh, even though he played I don't, juniors, I don't think residency should be. A but he didn't play juniors here before the age of twelve. Residency, I think, should be a way to strengthen sides outside of the big three. But yep. in terms of Australia, New Zealand, England, I don't think they should be able to take anyone based on residency. Yeah, well, it's a strange setup, but yeah, there's other guys that, that people are confused about. Uh, that's the one that I got a few times. People we were like, "Why can't Rona?" Uh, play State of Origin. Well, he was in WA until probably the age of 15 or 16. So under that new model, he doesn't qualify for the fact that he hasn't played junior football over here before 12 or 13, yeah. even if he played Harold Matz for WA or whoever it was. Um, but he started with the Roosters, but yeah, not after that age. So that's us done, champion. We've done the early questions for all you guys out there in our Fast Five and the seven games. Then uh, after a little break there, obviously, we've reviewed the Dogs and the Raiders and we've answered the rest of your questions. So uh, like we said, some scheduling issues. We've done this on the Monday night to make sure it's all done for you guys with Boxhead here. And uh, I'll be joined next. Unfortunately, things have not worked out again. Work has interfered. We have not been able to get Mr. Gossip. As we said earlier, I had to record yesterday with Brock on the Monday to be able to get his part done. Uh, tonight, work, keeping me indoors, missing out on recording with Mr. Gossip, but I've got his stuff here, so we'll quickly run through his gossip for this week, all of our tips, and give the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com. If you're going to bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill. Do not live in the past with the TAB and all these ones and have to ring up to put a live bet on. Just do it on your phone with live betting with only WilliamHill.com. But look at the gossip we've got sent through here. The Melbourne Storm are chasing Sissy Wonga to come back to the club. Obviously released by the Raiders are looking to be on the way out. They're very short in backs depth at the moment. Having a bit of a crisis there. Hawkins injured. Chase Blair. Uh, Corey Betty got suspended last week and they've only got a couple of, of young players. Curtis Scott with a broken leg. So no surprise there to see Melbourne probing around a former player who knows the system so well instead of heading to French rugby. So keep your eyes out for Sissy Wonga to go to the Melbourne Storm as they are chasing him. Matt Gillette, one of the biggest names on the market, and James Seguiara, a bloke who obviously had a massive year a couple of years ago, been injured most of last year, had some trouble. Um, apparently, with the coach, Anthony Griffin, that's all been ironed out well. Those two players are both off contract this year, particular interest from a lot of clubs in Matt Gillette, but the Sharks are talking with both these players, Matt Gillette and James Seguiara. The Matt Gillette one, that makes 100% sense. Chris Heinington... Luke Lewis, Paul Gallen, all these guys off contract over the age of 30. Uh, Matt Gillette, been absolutely outstanding form. Probably the form backer on the comp besides Ethan Lowry kick things off a definite, you'd have to think, for the Australian kangaroo side. And Seguiaro, Innes is getting on, no doubt, playing some pretty good football. Bit of a slower start to this season, but you can understand both of these. But only, for me, with the right price. Seguiaro had that big year. Showed a hell of a lot of potential, but he's been injured since. And there's been rumblings that he obviously had problems with Cleary and now... Griffin, so you'd have to wonder how that's going to affect his value, having troubles with coaches and also just consistency of the form. But the Sharks hunting those two players, Gillette and Seguiara, having conversations. Speaking of hookers, Mitch Rain, he is not very happy with the Dragons. Uh, there was a bit of a standoff there where he was looking to re-sign with the club last year. Uh, they weren't too interested in negotiating things too early. They've put off to this year in his own contract. They've now come to the fore with the table... Oh, sorry, they've come to the table and the offer is not exactly what he's after. So not a happy chappy. Mitch Rain, uh, don't be surprised if he tries to shop himself around to a few clubs there that might be looking for 
uh, number nine, that him and the Dragons at the moment, they are definitely not too happy with each other's situation and not agreeing. So uh, if you're a Dragons fan out there, not too sure how that's going to play out with Mitch Rohn remaining at your club, but have to wait and see how things pan out. And the last one, James Tarmow. For everybody out there, obviously last year, almost as certain that he was going to move, especially to Canberra, seeing his wife, Brittany, uh, is a native from around that way, has family in the area to help raise the children, but stayed, won the comp there with the Cowboys, quite set on it, but had a look again at coming back to Sydney. And according to Mr. Gossip, he was all but signed with the Eels, but has since changed his mind due to the off-field politics and all the other circumstances we know around the salary cap and all these bits and bobs. So was looking to come back to Sydney, uh, bring the wife, the kids, everyone to be closer together, but now it looks to be a certainty that he will stay with the Cowboys, which is a big coup for that club. Um, but obviously disappointing if you're an Eels fan and interested in getting him down here or anyone in Sydney that thought that hope. So Mr. Gossett thinks that he will definitely be remaining a Cowboy. But that wraps up all the gossip he had. We now move on to the tips and the odds from WilmHill.com. The first game, Thursday night, it is the Broncos up against the Dragons up there at Suncorp Stadium. They've got a hell of a record up there. The Dragons, regardless of form, but looking at the lineups, both teams 1-17, to from last week's clash. Look at this one. I think it's fairly simple. You definitely got to go with the Broncos. I have. So was Brock. So was Gossip. All on the Broncos uh, on form. Just their side and the fact they're at home and the fact the Dragons can't attack. So they're going to need a massive turnaround to make a difference in this game. But with William Hill, the odds seventeen for the Broncos. $5 for the Dragons. Minus 14 is a line quite hefty there. Is this a game Brisbane explode? I'm not too sure. But if you like the 13 plus there, $1.72. If you like the Dragons with a bit of a start for a multi-value, 12.5 points, $2 about the Dragons. Friday night, the second game, South Sydney versus the Roosters. The traditional clash, a hell of a game. Um, South's obviously been a bit patchy after starting the year quite well. Not that impressive. Last week, 20 minutes, they look good. Uh, and they just died and had to defend for 60 minutes. But Bryson Goodman returns for them on the wing. Orvar moves to the centres, which pushes out. Michael Oldfield and Paul Carter is the 18th man. The Roosters, they're 1-17 from the side that went down in Golden Point last week. Uh, Gossip has tipped South. Brock has tipped South. I'm also, again, going to go with South, but I really do have a feeling that if there's going to be a game they win or one, I think they'll get up for after being so close. This is the one. So I'd love to tip the Roosters, but I can't bring myself to do it just on exposed form. Um, but the South Sydney Rabbitohs have been less than impressive the last few weeks, so them themselves are going to have to do a lot more uh, you know, to be to impress and put themselves, and especially Greg English needs to find himself into this game. So interesting to see this week if the Roosters can finally get their first win of the season. But the odds for that game, the Rabbitohs, they're $1.47 with William Hill, $2.70 about the Roosters, minus 6.5 is the line there. If you like the 12.5 start for multivote with the Roosters, you get $1.44. This feels like a 1-12 to to me, so 3.10 for the Rabbitohs, 4.30 for the Roosters. Super Saturday kicks off at Parramatta. It's the Eels versus the Raiders. The Eels bitterly disappointed with how things went last week. They'll be looking to bounce back. Nathan Peets returns, which is a massive, massive in for them. Isaac Degoyce goes back to the bench and uh, Kaiser Pritchard is out of the side there. And Daniel Alvaro comes in to start in the front row. David Gower out. So that's a pretty big change there. Canberra, Sia Soliola broke his arm, so Luke Bateman moves onto the bench to replace him. But other than that, they are 1-17. They're on the five-day five day turnaround, which has been hard for a lot of sides. Parramatta 
got the extra day. I'm sure they want to bounce back, but I wasn't all that impressed, especially by the attack of the Paramount Eels last week. I like what I saw from the Canberra Raiders, even though they switched off for a bit in the wet weather. I'm going to back them with not much confidence, um, but Gossip, he's also gone the Raiders. Brock, he's a lone one. He's gone with the Parramatta Eels, who are favourites with William Hill at home. They're $1.55. The Raiders, $2.45, minus 5.5, being the line again. I think this is a 1-12 to game. 3-10 for the Eels, and you get 4-10 for the Canberra Raiders. The second game on Saturday, it is the Warriors over at Mount Smart Stadium against the Manly Seagulls. Two in a row for the Warriors. Thomas Lulawai looking to make his first appearance in almost over 18 months. He's at 18th man, so there's no guarantees there. And obviously, Jonathan Wright's been named on the wing for Manu, who's got an injury. So at the moment, only one change to their lineup that Thomas Lulawai, 18th man for Manly. Tom Simons is back in the side in place of Fleti Mateo. Starting the back row, Jake Trebojevic returns at lock. Darcy Lussick and Brenton Lawrence are on the bench. And Josh Starling will start in the front row. Definitely going to stick with the Warriors in this one. Brock and Gossip have also gone the same way. A couple of wins in a row. Going home, Manly having a couple of harsh games in a row. Short turnarounds and now a road trip. Still don't have their halves. They were gallant last week, but I think this is a bridge too far. So we've all tipped the Warriors. And they are favourites with William Hill, $1.41. $2.90 about Manly. Minus 7.5 is the line in this game. If you think Manly are tough enough to drag things out 1-12, to 12, you get $4.55. Or if you like them with the 12.5 start for multi-value, $1.47 there. But Saturday wraps up with a blockbuster. The Penny Panthers at home against the North Queensland Cowboys. What a side they are proving to be this year. A massive win. Last week at home, 36-zip, and they're unchanged again, which is just ridiculous. It's been awesome to see them play so many games in a row without any changes in that continuity. It just shines through. And on the Panthers' side of things, Matungi, Sui Matungi, Elijah Taylor, they join a six-man bench to what is an otherwise unchanged Penrith Panthers' side. Again, clean sweep all around here. We've all got the Cowboys. That's very obvious. Unchanged, super impressive. They've got threats all over the park, and rightfully so. But pretty good odds here with William Hill, if you like them as the away team. They're $1.70, the Cowboys. They are the favorite, but a little bit of value. 215 about the Panthers, minus two and a half is the line. I don't mind that at all. One to twelve markets, three eighty-five for the Panthers, three twenty-five for the Cows. If you like Penrith to put a bit of a fight in there with twelve and a half starting a multi, dollar thirty-two. Sunday, the Sharks, they play the Titans. Uh, that one at Shark Park, so a hard ask for the Titans who have been very gallant so far this season, but going there, uh, they've got a debutante name there, Cameron Cullen, the former Brisbane Broncos under-20s player and a former Australian schoolboy. He gets the opportunity there instead of Greg Bird playing in the 5-8 position. Bird returns to lock. Parsi shifts to the bench. Dave Shillington has been named even after he got injured in the warm-up last week. So Lachlan Bird would drop out. And they've got Pettyborn and Zillman, 18th and 19th man. Sharkies, same 17, except Paul Gallen will start this week instead. And they've got Beal as their 18th man. Well, this one, I'm going to tip them at home. So has Brock, so has Gossip, the Sharkies. Titans, like we said, been ultra tough, but changing the halves there has hurt a little bit. They will put up a fight. They're going to Shark Park or Southern Cross Stadium, as it's known now. Definitely not an easy task. And the bookies at William Hill agree. $1.28 for the Sharks, three sixty-five for the Titans. Minus 10.5, the line there. The Gold Coast Titans to get a 1 to 12, 550, $2.95 for the Sharks, 1 to 12. If you like the Shar- uh, sorry, the Titans in multi value to put up a fight, 12 and a half start, $1.68. So not a bad boost there if you think they can drag 
the Sharkies in all fight, as they have done in every game this season. But the second one on Sunday, the Knights versus the Tigers. Uh, this one, Newcastle. Things They've been gallant. They've got that one point against Canberra. Hard loss last week. Very tough result. But Tarek Sims returns finally after a five-week suspension. Jacob Safidi drops to the bench in place of Mickey Payer, who has been named alongside Safidi's other brother, Daniel, as 18th and 19th man. On the Tigers side of things, Curtis Sirenen has returned on the bench in place of Cherrington. Tim Simona has been named, despite the fact he's up for a couple of charges. So if he beats them, he will most likely find himself in the side. If not, they're going to have to call someone up for a replacement. You get the feeling Newcastle, much like the Roosters, I think this is the week they can get their first win at home against the Tigers side, who's been a little up and down. But I like James Tedesco and a few players in the Tigers side way too much, even though they're on the road. So I'm going to back the Tigers. Gossip's gone the Tigers. Brock, he's gone Newcastle to get their first win of the season. They're outsiders with William Hill at $2, $1.80 about the West's Tigers. Minus one and a half is the line. You'd have to feel this is a tight game. One to 12 for both teams is 365 for the Knights, 345 for the Tigers. And it wraps up this round. Monday night football at Amy Park in Melbourne. Tough place to go, but a side at the moment that regardless of being 4-1, haven't been all that impressive, but are getting the job done. They play the Bulldogs. Another side started with a bit of a bang. Clunky the last few weeks and very unimpressive against the Canberra Raiders. But Melbourne, Marika Corabetti returns, so Richie Kenner drops out of the side and Christian Welch is on an extended bench. The Doggies, they have the exact same side, except Chase Stanley's obviously up the hamstring. Carrot Holland takes his place and Lloyd Parrott is the 18th man. As much as I think the Melbourne's been poor and so have the Dogs, I think the Dogs fire up for this game usually against Melbourne, but Melbourne on a Monday after a couple of poor performances, they get a bit of a longer turnaround this week. Uh, I think for sure they have to bounce back at home, and I think Bellamy would be expecting so. But uh, I'm going to go the Storm. Gossip's also gone the Storm, and so has Brock. But I really wouldn't be surprised if the Bulldogs came down there, put in a much better effort than what they did against the Raiders and get the win. But all on the Storm in our tips here, and they are $1.70 favourites at home against the Dogs. The Dogs, $2.15, minus 2.5 the line. 1-12 to game, I feel, again. The Melbourne Storm, $3.25, 385 for the Bulldogs. So that wraps up all your gossip and our tips and the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with WilliamHill.com. And looking at things for our charity bet this week, uh, I like the Cowboys. That's the one I'm staring at right here at $1.70. If you put them, say, in a multi with the Canberra Raiders at $2.45... There's pretty good odds there, so we're going to get the calculator out here and figure out what that one would be. So 245 plus 170. So 100 on at $4.10. Take the stake out. A possible $310 return this week with that multi. The Raiders into the Cowboys, both to get the, the cash and get $310 for our charity. But that wraps us up for this week. Again, I apologize on our behalf. Uh, It's been a scrappy week, a bit rough having to do things yesterday uh, with the Fast Five questions and the game reviews before and after the game. Uh, But at least we've got things done. We wanted to put the show together for you guys. We don't like to let you down. Tonight, again, unseeable unseeable circumstances. I got held up at work, so I couldn't get Mr. Gossip on, but we've given you the gossip. We've given you the tips, given you all the odds thanks to WilliamHill.com, and we've completed another show. But most importantly, 
Enjoy your week. Enjoy your rugby league. And hopefully it's another crack around of football. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where you, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.